Tired of commuting across town for music lessons? Are you sick of crappy YouTube tutorials? Then go to fetchclass.com, www.fetchclass.com. Teach and be taught in a secure video conference one-on-one, -on -one. better than Skype and or FaceTime. Included is a scheduling system that reminds you of upcoming lessons. It's great for teachers and students alike. Join now and get learning, www.fetchclass.com. That's www.fetchclass.com. Are you an artist or a musician? Do you have things for sale but no means to sell it? You need bot.96.lt. It's a digital hub for your stuff. There's no need to build a website, it's built for you. Be part of an e-commerce community. Sell anything you want. If you already have a web store, you can join for free now. Go to bot.96.lt for more details. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Apolog podcast. Thanks so much for supporting the show, and thanks a lot for telling a friend. You can go to www.apolog.esy.es. Apolog is spelt A-P-O-L-O-G-U-E dot E-S-Y dot E-S. Please subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to that, too, and rate and review five stars, please, five stars. Also, if you shop on Amazon, be sure to click on the Amazon banner on the right side of apolog.esy.es and bookmark it. And every time you shop on Amazon, go to that bookmark and you'll be supporting the show. It costs you no extra money, but it really helps me out. Thank you so much and enjoy this show. Well, there you go. We have spots. You know why? Because I suck at doing uh, what's called a live read. I can't do it. I just can't. I can't make it exciting. So... Let me know what you think of those. Please do. Please go to our website, apolog.esy.es. Uh, you heard in the spot where to go. R just give us comments. Let us know. Also, if you're on iTunes, please go comment there. It really helps, actually, placement on where we are in charts, as well as gets more podcasts and more ears of people, because it puts us in the sort of little bit into the forefront. Today's guest is Carmelo Laporto. He's a friend of mine from Germany. He's, uh, he's done many things. He played in a band. He has uh, owned a record label. He's a manager now. He's a teacher, instructor at a university. A very, very cool, forward-thinking, amazing dude. Uh, one of the rare people who's dealt with me musically, who I'm still friends with. <laughs> yeah, and I really... That's saying something, folks. <clears throat> So I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Carmelo Laporto. Carmelo and I have been friends for, I'm going to say, going on since when? What year would you say this, Carmelo? I think it was 2010. Okay. Or nine. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was 2009 because our friend Frank from Weird World Booking put us together. 
and I had my band, and I was labelless. And Frank was interested still in helping us book shows, but he said, you need to have a label. And for that, he put me in touch with you, Carmelo, who at the time ran a record label called Ant Street Records. Now, pick up your end of the story there, Carmelo, because we just sort of hit it off, didn't we? We became sort of good friends over this. Yeah, yeah. And I like this a lot because... um, when I started my record label in 2005, it was uh, very important to me to have uh, strong relationships with the artists I uh, worked with because, you know, I, I quit my, before starting the label, I quit my day job because um, it was just a normal day job and I wanted to be in touch with people who work in music and stuff. And so that was one thing that was very important to me beside the music itself. So. Uh, when uh, uh, Frank introduced me for Square, and, and I knew your band back then from um, from your Swedish label uh, you had before, and uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, but what made the difference was the first conversation we had, because it was very sympathetic, and uh, yeah, you know, that, there was that that feeling and that vibe you need to 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 release something, because I'm I'm just. I didn't. I, I just didn't want uh, want to be uh, just a record label who does records, and that's it. I wanted to, yeah, to build up stuff and to know people, to work with people. So uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, great that uh, Frank introduced me for Square, and especially uh, uh, Simon Head. And um, yeah, from the first conversation on, <laughs> it is it crazy. Frank- Love at first yeah. sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man love. Yes, I, I, I remember that first conversation too because I was coming out of a, a label breakup as well as I was dealing with, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to slag bad taste, but bad taste lost interest in my band. And I, it was blatantly obvious that they had lost interest in my band. But my only slight against them is they never actually came out and said, we've lost interest in your band. <laughs> they, they they sort of put up the front and said we uh, we're going to do what we're sort of contractually obligated to do, but that's all we're doing. And um, I don't even did we even sign? I don't even think we signed. Oh, we did sign a contract. That's it on the yeah, first release, yeah. and then we did uh, we did an EP that was a digital only release. And apart from that, we've just been on virtual spit handshakes ever since then. And um, yeah. <laughs> and I can actually safely say that you're you as a person as a label is the only real person and or label that I've actually um, first of all gotten along with, and second of all um, um, has basically we've supported me not just as a friend but as as a band and and for that uh, there there is a lot of uh, uh, gratitude at this end for sure. And uh, let's you know, let's talk a little bit about Ann Street because that you you worked with a few bands back then. How long that would have been two thousand five, right? Yeah, I started in two thousand five with my own band called Hungry, and we did some uh, yeah street punk rock stuff. And uh, from then on, it it went all pretty pretty fast because uh, touring with my own band. Um, gave me the possibility to meet a lot of other bands. We've been in Italy, we've been, yeah, in France and everywhere. So the first bands that we released or that, that I released uh, after my band were Italian bands. And then I continued with German bands. And uh, yeah, it became, uh, 
huge for one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was the point when I quit my day job to say, okay, that's going to be the thing for the rest of my life. <laughs> that's a ballsy move, my friend, a ballsy move. I wish I could say I could quit my day job. You, you, you put a lot of caution to the wind and it really helped you out. Because a, a lot of pe- people know this, that know you, that you're you're very enthusiastic and heartfelt and passionate about what you do. Um, when did you move up from Italy? Because you were originally from Italy. My my parents are from Italy. Actually, yeah. I was born in Germany, but oh, okay. I grew up. I grew up uh, bilingual, so my parents were just speaking at home in Italian. Yeah. So I had the chance to learn two languages at the same time, and that was great. And uh, I always uh, was interested in meeting Italian bands. You know why? Because my parents always told me there are no punk rock bands in Italy because <laughs> Italians don't do this kind of stuff. Yes. And that was, you know, <laughs> That's that untrue. was a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted, mom and dad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so in the first days, um, even before I started my, my own label, I started to... Uh, uh, I got, I think I got internet in 1998 and I started with Napster to uh, search for Italian bands and I found them. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when I had my label, I started contact, I started to contact them. And yeah, so <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing these days? Are you, you uh, what, what's your, what's your, what's your day job today besides, you don't have Ant Street anymore that you sort of let that go, right? Yeah, yeah. I sold Anstreet Records in uh, late 2012 because I wanted to concentrate on fewer artists instead of doing lots of releases because um, at a certain point you have to earn money. And if you <laughs> earn just a little money with every release, you have to do a lot of releases. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to break that, that uh, circuit. So um, what I did, it, what I basically did was selling the record label to give me some space to develop bands and uh, to work with just yeah a few bands. Right now I got three bands that I'm working with, mm-hmm. two bands and one, one singer. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty happy with that constellation because you can focus more on uh, details and um, yeah, you can, you can put a lot of people uh, uh, um, on the artist. So you can, you can build up a team, you can, do a lot more than just, you know, spending some money and hoping that it works out. <laughs> yeah, you can be a little bit more in charge of your destiny as well as the people you're working with because trend of music and, and image and all these things, something you can't really, um, you can't change because what people perceive as being popular music, you don't have a crystal ball. You can't look ahead and say, oh, people are going to be into this. You can foresee it just a little bit, but you can try but when it's for when you've laid out all this money on the line for CDs and for for promotion, you only are literally doing what big labels do, which is taking a big pile of poop and throwing it at a wall and expecting it to stay on the wall as long as possible. I mean, is that that's that's sort of the commonality between indie records and major record labels is that they have that same they're taking the same chance. Yeah, yeah, because you know at the end of the day, it's just taste of music and uh, everyone or every label or every, every music worker, whatever thinks that he's got some sort of uh, crystal ball or special taste that mm-hmm. puts him in charge to, you know, to, to be successful with it. But in, at the end of the day, it's, you, you have to, um, to know what people are looking for 
or you have to convince them that they want to buy your artists, that they want to buy tickets to your shows, mm -hmm. that they want to buy your records. And that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, a very uh, risky and difficult business. But um, I think if you uh, don't, I don't know, I, th I think if you don't expect too much in the first steps, And if you be, and if you are careful with uh, decisions, uh, then you can actually do something right. <laughs> yeah, but there are a lot of moons aligning in, at that point, you know. And uh, I can only say from my own personal point of view, when people were excited about my band in 2003 or whatever, I started putting it out. I thought, well, this is easy. <laughs> This is easy. Well, what could possibly go wrong, you know? Uh, and of course, nothing really happened for the band. And it was primarily because there were several things in play. One was I couldn't get over there five times a year to go play because touring in North America, my label was in Sweden. It was it would be stupid for me to put, a, put everybody in a van and travel for no money across North America. And plus, I'd already done that <laughs> many, many times. So to get over to Europe, it costs a lot of money. So I basically dropped the ball by not getting over there. I got over there roughly once a year. But to get over there and do what bands that were on our label, like Denko Jones, like every, every waking hour is being in Europe, is something I physically couldn't do. And I take that responsibility. And label should take some responsibility of dropping the ball. Not you, of course, but my old label should have taken some responsibility on it as well. I never, it's so cool, like the working with Ant Street, that, that never really, there was never really a, I thought you said you were gonna X, Y, Z. It was always, how are we going to work this out and let's do something. And it's so simple. It's to the core. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's simple. You know, if you, if you want it to be simple, because, you know, sometimes in a relationship between a band and a label, it can be a little bit like, um, marriage you know where yeah. you just have where you just in the end you know at the end of the relationship you just do what you have to do like mm -hmm. sex once a year like <laughs> I, i don't know you were great by the year. way you were great <laughs> you too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, talk about know, sex I, I, what's our code for sex we're talking about actually uh, uh sex is like i'm coming over there once a year that's what we're talking about right <laughs> Or were you actually yeah, talking yeah. about? Okay, yeah, of that's, course. That's the sex once a year. Okay, there we go. Okay, yes. Okay, so yeah, sorry, you're. you're <laughs> now I think you're going to get a lot of a lot more uh, listeners, right? That's now. right. Yeah, yeah. It's the word sex. You have to you have to put it in the keywords. Here's <laughs> what you have to do, folks. If you want a German record label, you got to have sex with your German record label owner. That's it. Go It's, forth. Uh... Thanks, everybody. Listen to podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> so yeah, I know what you're saying. Sorry, I cut you off. But marriage, yes, it is like marriage. True, and it, it, like marriage. and no one wants to do the first step to say, "Hey, dear, I don't think that I'm that I'm loving you anymore." So <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to show you on several different levels. First of all, I'm not going to uh, put uh, posters up at your shows, wife. Now we're yeah. crossing boundaries now about uh, our metaphor. That's how a label starts, like, not loving you anymore. In fact, I know all the tricks. The tricks are don't return phone calls. That's one. Uh, the, other yeah. trick is, the other trick is, is when the band spends $10,000 to come over and play shows, make sure there's no CDs at the show. That's the big, that's the big I've lost interest, especially when you're opening for a uh, large band like Sum 41 and uh, 
playing in front of 4,000 or 3,000 people a day. Make sure the CDs don't arrive at the venue. That's, that's number one. And then, in the, in the end, it's important that you blame the band for not selling enough records. There you go. There you go. See, I should start my own label because I know all the tricks. It's like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going to do. I should start with this. Can happen. This story can even happen um, uh, from the other side, from the side of the band, because uh, sometimes you you are yeah negotiating with a band and uh, they lose interest in you because they got a bigger offer or something. Yeah, and they just don't pick up the phone anymore. <laughs> That's see, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. And uh, you know, my only story to that is like the first time we ever went to Germany is our our love affair with Bad Taste Records was still hot and heavy. And I got offered a label. I got offered a label opportunity that was much better than what Bad Taste was offering. Much better. But what I I said no. I I like these Bad Taste Records people. They're they're good people. And I turned it down. I'm not saying hindsight is twenty twenty, but I still stand behind that. I still think there's some form of loyalty. And if you start cheating your label, you're cheating yourself because. That's not why I play music, and I'm sure that's not why you put out records. I mean, you put out records, you put out records to sell records to make a living. But there was so much more involved with it. You, you had a, you had more of a. Uh, there was, like I said, the passion. There was a fire in your belly to make this work, and uh, whatever yeah. possible. And during the days of sort of backwards thinking uh, labels, you had such a forward look about how bands should promote themselves, how labels should promote the bands. I remember your QR code idea for the shirt. I thought that was fucking brilliant, man. Do you remember that idea or were you riffing? Yeah, I remember that. And now they, now everyone's doing this. I know. This. <laughs> That's crazy. You, you said, you know, honesty. Honesty to, to me, it's, it's very important because back in the days when I quit my day job, that was one of the reasons why I did it because I wanted to to work uh, in an environment where I can choose the people uh, I want to work with and so on. <laughs> and um, later on, when the, when the label became bigger, I had um, also like stupid things like once I was negotiating uh, a license agreement with a bigger American band. It was on a label, uh, uh, on the label from Serge Tankian. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were negotiating a license agreement for Germany. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're interested. Yeah, yeah, we're interested. Uh, we're going to, to answer you today, today, today. And I waited like almost two weeks until I said, fuck you, come on. <laughs> that, you know, that, that was like sort of because I, I, I thought it, it would be a big chance, you know, to boost the label and yeah. to also boost the other bands on the label because if you've got such a big – a uh, big band on, on your label, you can also boost the other ones. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that was stupid because I don't know if they were too big or too, or such thinking was too, too cool, too arrogant, whatever. But uh, they thought that they could do whatever they wanted with me. And at, at a certain stage, I said, come on, fuck you. Yeah. Because, and I think that was, that was the right decision. And that's um, how I still work today. So if I, if I'm uh, uh, working for an artist and this artist got an offer or something and we're negotiating, I expect people to respect my artist and to respect me. And uh, I think that's the most important thing right now for me. If, mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to, to push an artist, you have to, to speak on the same level. 
with the other person, with the person on the other side, and there has to be honesty, there has to be respect, and so on. Yeah. That's that's why I uh, uh, that's what I loved in the punk rock scene, yeah. and what I still love because yeah. there's a lot of respect there. That's right. A lot of, you know, back in the day where you'd meet somebody and you had no idea that maybe this person at the age of 17 might go on to be the next major record label star or the next label maker, uh, tastemaker or the person. This is how a lot of people I've met that are still working in, uh, in the industry come from punk rock. And that's yeah, not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. That means that that's saying that people with a certain strong ethic, and, and there's hope for everybody yet, the people with that ethic and with that networking skill and that idea about how we're all going to get along here in this great big old ugly world, it says we can all do this. That didn't exist like 20 years ago. And exactly. I, you know, I think 90s punk rock is what brought us into what's called the nice guy era of artist development and labels and all these things. So, Yeah, I think it changed a lot because... I remember myself when I was 16, that was in 1996, and we started, me and my friends, we started putting up shows. Mm -hmm. So we just did it, you know? We didn't ask anyone. We didn't uh, go to, to the bank to get some money to found a startup, whatever. We just did it. Yeah. So, and there was th this strong DIY ethic, you know? People wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. there, were, there were kids who were doing fanzines. There were uh, kids uh, doing shows, founding booking agencies and some of them are still around some of them work at a major label whatever but i think that time changed a lot it it was like the transition from uh, uh the late 80s superstar era to the uh yeah what you call the nice guy era <laughs> definitely in technicians world the from late 80s to to mid 90s there was a transition and almost like a passing of the torch of saying okay old dudes with ponytails and hip sacks go wait over there and then young guys that uh, have purple hair and doc martens come on in because we need you, we need you because we're sick and tired of dealing with the pony hair people over there the thing about germany too i mean in general i've said this many times but german people like music better than north americans it is it's a, a statistical fact <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, it is. But the one thing I did notice actually about podcasts is 5% of listenership of podcasts are German. 5%. So what's up? Why, why is the 5% of, of all listening audience of podcasts, like obviously like it's like 70 or 80% of Americans and Canadians, but it never really, really uh, has picked up in Germany. Why do you think that? I think it's the same thing like Twitter or <clears throat> all that social media stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, became popular in Germany when it already was uh, North America. Germans mm -hmm. tend to be very, um, yeah, uh, they, they they pay attention um, to who they give information and stuff, and they it always takes some time to adopt new uh, techniques. Mm -hmm. So a podcast is something that never really started here, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because. Um, iTunes had a very uh, difficult start in the beginning, Germany, and we still got like 60% physical records and 40% digital, like streams and so on. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is the main reason. It's not a reason because they don't like to listen to Simon Head. It's, uh, <laughs> and you got a market share of 90% of all podcasts. I do much. now. <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> yes. No, it's uh, it's because yeah, people 
need some time to adopt new techniques in Germany. Yep. So. Well, music uh, television in general took no, didn't catch roots. And what's it doing now? Music television and videos and whatnot. Yeah, we've got music television. We've got uh, uh, MTV is no more. It's just pay TV. And I don't know anyone watching it any longer. <laughs> we've got, uh, yeah, and we've got two or three smaller TV stations who are doing just music and uh, short message stuff and where you can Twitter and so on. And that's it. So young people mostly do YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, but also YouTube took a long time because, for example, I got an artist called Nicole Cross, and uh, she's got like 200,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, mm -hmm. and just 10% of them are from Germany, and she's German. Weird. It's weird. weird. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> What you said about the physical owning of physical CDs is that that's still, it's not as strong as it was. The very first time I went to Europe, there was a need for the physical want of CDs yeah. and albums and posters. And Is that still pre prevalent in today's Germany as opposed to 10 or 15 years ago Germany? It sounds like it is a little bit. It still is important. Mm -hmm. uh, not not as, as important as, as it was like a couple of years ago, Yeah, but it still is. So um, we've got a strong uh, growth in vinyl mm -hmm. and uh, especially elder people um, still buy CDs. Mm -hmm. So the younger ones use, but not uh, uh, the, you know, the teenagers because the teenagers they buy CDs at the record store because you can do this without a credit card, without, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for example, Amazon is complicated. Yeah. You can't order there. So young kids go to the supermarket, buy CD, that's mm -hmm. it. Amazon and, takes debit cards. I didn't. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I, I started an Amazon affiliate program with this podcast. And I, didn't, okay. I tried to see if I was getting any money, so I ordered something for $2. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get my percentage, though. But it does use debit card, which is, that is good to know. Debit cards are those prepaid cards? No, ATM. Uh, um, oh. Bank cards. Yeah, bank cards. Uh, yeah, you can pay in Germany with uh, bank cards, too, on, on Amazon, yes. Yeah. I usually pay with credit card because it's easier than at the end of the month. You can, you know, yeah. you can get your account details and you can check it and that's okay and i know how much i spent yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah. easier <laughs> yeah yeah so like i said physical items cds it's still a need it's still a want yeah. of of germans and i think north americans in general have sort of switched off from <sighs> i want to say that north americans are obviously more into vinyl this is this thing it's like the beard it's the beard and vinyl in that sort of lumberjack shirt it all yeah. goes hand in hand that's my theory that if you yeah. shave your beard, you won't listen to vinyl anymore. What do you think of that theory? Well, I got a beard and I got vinyl. There. So, uh, so let's try this right now on live podcast. To shave that beard. Okay, I'm going to shave right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you burning all your records? <laughs> <laughs> I think my mom would be happy right now. That's mom, right. I'm not going to shave. <laughs> But my wife is happy with that. She likes the beard? <laughs> yeah, my yeah. wife likes it. I can't um, grow a beard. I look like an old hobo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. so? I do. I look because it's gray. It turns gray, and then I look like... I want to see you with a beard. I'll try. I tried one, and then I went to my kid's swimming lesson, and there's a guy that whose friends... Our kids are friends with each other, and he looked at me and goes, what's wrong with you? Like... <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I look like... Uh, have you seen the new, the latest Randy Quaid video? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, we go, well, I'll search it out. It's he's got this crazy weird Santa beard, but um, 
Yeah, I just look like an old homeless person. And it's uneven, like it's gray in some spots and then brown. And it just, I just look horrible. So I can't, I'm not there yet. But I did find a cool old timey uh, barbershop that's about 15 minutes from here that I'm going to drive. As soon as we're done this podcast, everybody, I'm going to get my hair cut. Yeah, okay, it's tough. We're, we're digressing. We're digressing. I've said this before too, as well as I think it's the extra 1,000 years of history, art, societies, have determined that genetically Europeans enjoy something. They enjoy owning something. They look at, they don't, my evidence of like music television never took off. That's a sensory thing. You're looking at that. Digitally downloading iTunes. It's taken a while for people to get into it. There's no sense, uh, sense of ownership with that stuff. And the big million dollar idea would be how do you put ownership to digitally downloaded music you can make the artwork look as cool as possible you can bribe them with like some sort of hey when we come to your show or your town you can hang out with us because you've bought our itunes release but apart from that how do you get people to f- own that will it ever happen i don't know um i think the um what's happening right now is that we've got a huge increase in, in, in streaming services and streaming is cannibalizing digital sales. So people who used to buy an iTunes, mm-hmm. they are happy with a $10 Spotify account. And they just, yeah, use that. Mm-hmm. But in the end, uh, I think um, it's going to be a huge um, change because people who, for example, what's, what I'm doing right now is I'm streaming on Spotify, mm-hmm. but I'm buying vanilla as well. Right. What I didn't do before, because before I bought on iTunes and I didn't buy the vanilla. Right now I'm streaming it and buying on vanilla. And I think that's that could be some sort of a future. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's also uh, a huge discussion going around right now uh, regarding uh, artist shares on Spotify and so on. Mm-hmm. What what I do not understand until now is why do labels put on actual releases on Spotify? Because Netflix, you can't go on Netflix, for example, and watch a movie which is in the cinema right now. Yeah, well, you know what? They're starting that in North America. They're starting pay-per-view. As the album, I'm sorry, as the movie's coming out, you can purchase it, not on Netflix, but you can do a pay-per-view release of, uh, uh, I think it was Guardians of the Galaxy when it came out. Okay. They offered it on pay-per-view as well. But, yeah, but you have to pay extra for it. So well, you, like yeah. you can get it for ten bucks a month. No, you pay for it as you're like it's a pay per view um, show or something, or you're watching on TV a pay per view or whatever. Yeah. You're ordering it is pay per view uh, still that expensive? Because in Germany we've got a few pay per view. Uh, um, Depends what you uh, buy. Yeah, you have to pay a lot, like yeah. five or six euros for just twenty four hours. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, more than I paid uh, at the uh, videotape. <laughs> well, yeah, well, some Ultimate Fighting pay-per-views are like $60. Like, if you want to oh. see MMA fights or whatever, it can get up there. But but the whole idea behind Netflix is to... It, I always saw Netflix as being sort of like stuff that happened last year. Yeah. And every Netflix is kind of different. Like, German Netflix is different than the Canadian... So- yeah, it's totally different. People have they're starting to shut down that whole being able to watch American Netflix and because uh, nobody's watching their home country's Netflix, they're all watching the American one because it's better than yeah. all of them. <laughs> but That's they are a lot of people. Get, they use the proxy to 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 get on US Netflix. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's getting shut down, folks. Sorry. Sorry to say. So you have to uh, record everything for me and uh no okay that would be like, i will i'll, sc- I'll stream it over on my own personal server off of my raspberry pi yeah or maybe you could just tell me what happened that's right <laughs> so they walked into a room and the guy pulled out a gun and when he pulled out the gun he shot somebody Ooh, i don't know i forget his name it's not important do, you know do you know uh, uh on certain dvds they got uh uh, extra voices for blind people. Yes, descriptive video. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you could you could do something like that. <laughs> that could be, uh, yeah, we could we could build up a new platform. That's right. Like, <laughs> tell me what you see. Com. I think we should do it for mentally challenged people, though. Yeah, because that's yeah. that's the new market now. It's because yeah. they have uh, nobody's getting vaccinated anymore. Vaccinated, so everybody's becoming retarded. Yeah, another yeah, theory. Yeah. <laughs> Vaccination is uh, very dangerous. Very. That's what Jenny McCarthy told me, and she's hot. <laughs> yeah. It was on TV. I gotta believe it. This is what happened. Just, just seen a picture uh, yesterday. There was a kid, and it said, uh, "Mom, uh, can you please vaccinate me because I don't want people at school to recognize that my parents are stupid." <laughs> yeah. So, what are you doing these days with your lay? Your uh, sorry, your your artists. What's 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 big on the horizon for for Carmelo? I know we didn't even get in a whole part that you actually teach too. You you teach music industry stuff. Yeah, at the university here in Saarbrücken, uh-huh. and uh, there is a new course. Like it's four or five years old, mm-hmm. and um, they are teaching music business, and uh, I'm doing all the practical stuff there and helping them to build up a network and so on. Mm-hmm. And right now, uh, on my horizon, there is a lot to do uh, with Nicole Cross. We did, we just crossed the two hundred and thousand, uh, two hundred thousand subscriber mark. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, we're pretty busy with uh, songwriting, and we just secured a feature in Australia. But I can tell right now. Oh wow! <laughs> top secret. Yeah, and we're speaking to some labels, and um, yeah, it's looking pretty. Pretty interesting right now. It's uh, yeah. a lot to deal with that and uh, speaking to many, many people and lots of meetings. It's a tricky one for you because you can't dance around and you got to dance around with what actually is happening. And it's a, it's a literally you don't want to jinx what's happening. Otherwise, that was an unfair question. And I retract that question. Yeah, you, you trapped me because that's something you, you uh, can't ask a manager. It's like yeah. uh, if you ask a politician, uh, uh, what his plans are for the next period. That's right. He can right. tell because it's, you know. Well, he will, but he'll actually tell you nothing, but he'll tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to work say, on oh, that. God, that's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, wait, I got I got the answer for you. So you asked me the question. I'll be you. You asked me the question. Go. Okay. <laughs> hey, Simon. Um, yeah, what are your plans uh, right now with your podcast and uh, with everything for the next six months? <laughs> that's, that's a good question, Carmelo, and we have big things happening, big things happening. We have a lot of change. We have a lot of forward motion uh, approvals that are going to be pushing us way over into the new market of de- um, sustainability. Our ducks are in a row. We're running stuff up flagpoles, and we're just really getting down to work because that's where you get a lot of positive responses through hard work and uh, perseverance and staring adversity in the eye, in fact, is a very tricky prospect. And uh, I put it back to you. I ask you the question. <laughs> I love you. Simon. It's good, you. eh? 
I can do that. I can <laughs> this, be is, this is perfect. This is uh-huh. good. That's a good. That's a good polit- political answer. I've said yeah. nothing. <laughs> I heard the question. Back to you. Back when to you. Did you? <laughs> We're good. We're good. I like this. We should do this every week. This is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could do some kind of a political podcast. That says uh, nothing. The Seinfeld of podcast. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, but, so we can even do a poll. People uh, uh, choosing uh, the topic that we have to discuss. And <laughs> doesn't I, matter. <laughs> I think people would grow very tired of that. <laughs> very fast people love that it because it's what they're watching every day on tv <laughs> yeah it's true what's big over there in north american tv i can't wait you know what i can't wait for i can't wait for the show called vikings do you watch it um no we we've had the first season on netflix mm-hmm. but i didn't even try to be honest it's is, is that, that 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 country uh which is uh no 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 it's no. about the vikings that that was kings or something that i Vikings is just Vikings. Vikings is like Game of Thrones without all the boobs, and but it's with Vikings. <laughs> okay, so no boobs, just Vikings. The Australian Vikings has has more boobs, apparently. I'm told. Okay, so I, I should watch the Australian boobs uh, Vikings. <laughs> Vikings is actually if for anybody's listening, the first season is very fluid and very cool, and then you start season two, and you're like, wait. What happened? Did I miss episodes? And then you're like trying to go back and figure out what's going on. And then you go, oh, no, they actually, the story's a little fractured. You just need to sort of let them take you for the little trip down, you know, down the line and hope that forums are up to date. But it's stunning. It looks amazing. It's very well shot. There are a lot of uh, TV stuff that are doing it like this, you know, first two uh, episodes doing something. And then episode three is just, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. back um, back in memory lane stuff and uh, you know I love a lot Mad Men and yeah. there's this final season coming out in April I'm looking pretty much forward to this mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm looking forward but I'm but I'm sad too because it's going to be the last seven episodes ever yeah. I met uh, Jessica Pereira right did I tell you that no tell me <laughs> I met her I met her at North by Northeast a couple of years ago and she she actually dates John Kastner from the Doughboys they okay. they date and I'm sitting at the beh- backstage and I'm working for the descendants so I knew that John was dating this Jessica and uh, she is tall like and stunning and just so gracious looking and I was like starstruck I'm like oh my god that's the girl from Mad Men. Like, and, and that was around season, was it uh, two seasons ago? And she kind of brought that season to life. Uh, was it season five? And I was like, oh my God, she's, she's saved Mad Men. And so I said, listen, I, I really, really enjoy Mad Men. I enjoy it to the point that I think that you're responsible for helping this whole thing move along. And she was super yeah. nice, like super friendly and really like just a star. You know, and I, it's very rare you get put in the presence of someone like that who's actually a star <laughs> before she's even going to be. She's going to go on and she do amazing, amazing things. And I think it's her personality too, because she's just very nice. And, and she's leaving. She goes, "Bye." I'm like, I'm, "Bye." <laughs> like, uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, Mad Men's going to be. It's going to be a bummer to go and um uh, and. And what else is coming? Game of Thrones is coming up. Do you watch that? No. I feel no, dumb I... watching Game of Thrones. I feel like a dummy. 
Okay. You feel dumb watching it because you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? I just, I just caught up like two or three, uh, yeah, images showing boobs. Yeah. And I thought it could be interesting, but I never really started. <laughs> Believe me, I, I got into it for like, I got into it because it was obviously the rage. I started listening to the audiobooks, and there's an audiobook out that's read by this kindly old British gentleman who puts on the voices. And uh, <laughs> so then I started watching the show. And uh, it's just so vast that you really need to pay attention or let other people tell you what's happening. Do you write down the names so that you know who they I should. Yeah. should. It's too complicated. And what I, my theory is, if they show a boob, they're dead within two episodes. That's a theory. Okay. So it's like <laughs> a little bit like the orange in uh, The Godfather. Yeah. You always, <laughs> every time something important happens, you see that orange. Yes. And actually, I was watching a whole thing on Breaking Bad where the, you remember that little purple teddy bear? Yeah. That, that little teddy bear is all over, the, all over the show, not just in the start, in the ending, okay. but there's an Easter egg of teddy bears where they put them in a tree and like really quick shots and they'd show the teddy bear everywhere. That was another great series. Oh my God, I, I got into that. I just had a few, I, I think I, I watched uh, most part of the first season and then I didn't have any time to, to continue and then I just, you know, lost interest. I suggest but getting it. Watch it. I recently started uh, a series that I didn't know before. Do you know Firefly, The Flight of the Serenity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't I watched love, it. I haven't watched but it. But it. it's just one fucking season. Yeah. That's, that's so sad because it's it's so vast. They uh, All the career, uh, all the, the persons uh, uh, there are... Uh, drawn deeply, you know, you, you, you can really see their character. That's yeah. uh, that's what I like a lot about TV shows. We talked a little bit, you watched Revolution, right? That show that was on for one season, maybe, was it two seasons? Two seasons. Revolution? Revolution is a J.J. Abrams show. Uh, and they did two seasons. It's like the, the uh, all the power gets switched off. And it's based on the book. Oh, crap. What's the guy's name? But essentially, the world just sort of regresses back into uh, being old Western times. And there's warlords in America. And, and the theory is, like, Mexico actually has a better um, hold on d uh, democracy than what was going on in America after 15 years. You know. Yeah, crazy. Like, just the world tipped over. Everything was all different. Somebody, th all the cast members had something to do with the power being switched off. And they're trying to get it switched back on. But it never ended either. It just, it just, they did a half season on the second season and they kind of like the very last episode doesn't even say finale. It just said, it just said, here's what's happened. And then they just That's sewed it all together real fast and willy nilly and said, okay, there you go. There's your ending. It's like, no, nah, that's not the ending. What more? I don't trust shows anymore. I got to wait for at least one or two seasons to go by before I can invest my time. Do we have to do some product placement for Amazon right now or? I do it at the start and at the end. I actually, uh, this episode, I've made commercials because I'm sick and tired. I have, uh, well, two self-made sponsors that I, uh, I've created two websites for, uh, and I'm, I'm hawking it on this website or on this, uh, on this podcast. But I've made spots because I've figured out that I don't do radio live reads as well as radio folk do. 
So I decided to just do a spot, and it was actually fun. It's like music in the background and stuff. You'll hear it. You hear it when you get to hear it. But uh, yeah, we do an Amazon affiliation thing, and it hasn't made any money yet, but it's fun. It feels like important. It feels like you have some sort of a business relationship with Amazon. Yeah, we, we did a virtual handshake, and Mr. Amazon came over for dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, or how weird is it that you have this crazy last name, and yet you're the most important used website on the earth synergy i think not i think he just started with uh some sort of a um, garage sale and then it just <laughs> in the amazon yeah <laughs> and he's like you know what everybody keeps cutting these goddamn trees down um how the hell am i gonna have a garage sale when there's no trees here and why would anybody come i can only sell enough chainsaws and chainsaw oil and chainsaw gas to cut these trees down what the fuck i'm going to america <coughs> And look, yeah. the URL is available. Go Daddy. Click, click, click. Eight ninety nine a month or a year, or whatever. Good, we're good to go, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so we we got to talk a little bit about the Raspberry Pi. The, right. This is a show's. It's this is the craziest show. It's turned into a little biography. Then we start talking about TV shows, and now we're talking about the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, because the rest of by is punk rock, actually. That is the punkest, rockest thing, absolutely. There's nothing, yeah. there's like everybody open source and everything is awesome and free. And if for you don't know what the Raspberry Pi is or, or care, flip over the next 20 minutes because you're going to be bored as fuck. Raspberry Pi is a credit card sized computer that actually has more computing power than like your first computers from 15 years ago. And what it does is does so many amazing things. It's a basically the Minecraft of, of computers. It's an open sandbox. You can do whatever the hell you want to do on it. If your imagination says, let's, let's make something out of a computer or do something with software, the Raspberry Pi is your fun. And it's like an entry-level thing. It runs off Linux. And if you understand Linux or what Linux is about, Linux is the freest software out there. Carmelo, what, what do you use yours for? Mine is for, I use it as a media center, um, but also just, you know, to do stuff. Because if you want to figure out how computers actually work, then you have to get a Raspberry Pi because you can start everything from scratch there. You can compile your own Linux. Mm -hmm. You can uh, 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 compile your own software. You can figure out how actually uh, programming works. Like mm -hmm. if you got a, uh, uh, if you want to figure out uh, what you can do, how, how you can even program bare metal on it if you want mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing, I'm, I'm using it mostly for, uh, um, yeah, for, for streaming. Uh, use, I, I've got a, uh, an AirPlay replacement software on it. It's called SharePort. And it's also got Xbox Media Center. Uh, it's called, yeah, it's, it's fun because... Uh, I had an Xbox One, and I just bought it because of that Xbox Media Center. Oh wow! And then I and, and uh, because of that Xbox Media Center, uh, I heard about Raspberry Pi because mm -hmm. I heard they they were uh, compiling it um, on uh, uh, for the ARM processor that that it, that it got, and um, um, the hardware is pretty um, slow, but mm -hmm. it's got uh, a special. A GPU, uh, which is capable of, uh, yeah, streaming uh, actual codecs. So mm -hmm. video is no problem. Yeah. In HD, you've got an HBM, HDMI uh, uh, cable on it, and um, yeah, it's perfect. It's just, it just paid like 50 euros for it. That's nothing. Actually, they started making them in China 
over the past year or so, but they were primarily built in England. They're an English company. These guys that build it are, they're the craziest bunch of dudes and it's become a lot more user-friendly. So if you know, if you have a little interest in computers, it's definitely easier to get into it today than it was say maybe three or four years ago is when I started getting a little bit into the pie um, or when it first came out. Now it's sort of like a little, there's more people have explained things a little bit more. It's evolved into this very cool software. I use it. I I used it and I put um I put a, a little daughter board onto it. So I can run uh, high definition sound to and from it. It has a microphone built into it. So I could actually use it as a as a as a dictaphone. Uh my big plan with this is to turn it into a uh, wireless microphone. So with that, all the things that are on there that don't need to be on there can be taken away. Uh, I've yet to get a fast enough link between this and somewhere that's picking it up. So basically what's happening with our... I'm giving my my greatest idea of Earth right now, but I defy anybody to sort of come up with this solution. If they do, please invite me in. But what's happening with our radio frequencies is that our CRTC or whatever the government that controls um, frequencies has taken back a bunch of frequencies that used to belong to wireless microphones. And it's over the past couple of years, and you have to register your frequencies to the government for what you know happens in every country. So there's a certain bandwidth that's been taken back, which is about 50% of all the wireless microphones. So I said, well, what if someone made something that's over Wi-Fi, which is running at a much higher frequency, less, and try to make it as latent-free as possible, meaning no delay between voice and communication? I've yet to get there. But I do have it recording, uh, I got it to record in Audacity, which is also a free recording software program. And it recorded, I got it to record and play back 32 tracks of audio, which is out of this world for what the size it is and what it does. It just blew me away. I thought, where the hell and how is this doing this? You know, it's this big. It's literally the size of a bank card. Uh, Well, mine's got the USB dongle on there, so it gets a little bit bigger. I, it to me, it's amazed me about where, where we're going with electronics. What I really love about the Raspberry Pi, and and not not just about the Raspberry Pi, because there are um, a lot of other um, yeah self built computer uh, computers too. But what I love about the Raspberry Pi is that it brings computing back to the people. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I was a kid, I was six years old when my uncle bought his first. C64 mm-hmm. from Commodore. And to me, it was amazing because you could, you know, use the keyboard to tell it what to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember just typing in print Carmelo and it, and it printed, yeah. yeah. And it printed my name. Yeah. So it did something because I wanted it to do something. And yeah. that was something so great and so easy to do. And mm-hmm. um, then in the 90s, when uh, IBM PCs took over, you know, it, it was just like a workhorse or a gaming station, whatever, but it was no real computer where, where you could try stuff, where you had fun just by doing something. Yeah. And that's what I like about the Raspberry Pi a lot because mm-hmm. I don't expect things to work immediately. No. I expect things to work uh, in a way that I can understand how they work, actually. It's more fun you know, getting you, there. Yeah, yeah. You have, yeah, exactly. It's the fun getting there. It's, it's like I, I remember... Uh, uh, typing, uh, I, I bought some computer magazines back then in, in, in the early 90s, and they had listings. They were four or five pages long. Mm-hmm. 
and I used the keyboard to type them in because computer disks were too expensive to attach them at a computer magazine. So you had to, yeah, you had to type the listings. Mm-hmm. And and then you know if you had a mistake on page four or whatever, yeah. instead of print wrong, yeah. I don't know, then it wouldn't work, and you didn't know why. Just it just uh, gave out a message like a syntax error in line 463. They still do that, my friend. They still do that in PHP. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking crazy thing. Yeah. And, and right now, you know, on Linux, it's, it's so amazing. You, have, uh, you hear about a software, mm-hmm. you uh, try to install it, and it just says that it lacks a certain library. But then you uh, try to find that library, you download it, you try to install it, then it says it's the wrong version of it. Yeah. And I like this. I like this a lot because you can't find out the process. Uh, you can uh, really understand how it actually works. We're in a world where people get instant gratification. I want to buy that new record. Click, put my thumbprint on the thing. I've bought it. But the, the amount of tech, the thought and technology and forethought to get you to get your thumb and put it on a little keypad and say, that's what I'm buying. There's a kabillion steps that we don't need to know, and people are in that sort of world. In that sort of, I just want it. I just want my car to start. I just want life to I be don't easy. Care about it. And when I hit the popcorn button on the microwave, that's going to make my popcorn as pop as most as popcorn can get. Where before there was a chat something, and now who says that that's wrong? Yeah, I don't it, think it's wrong. I think yes, we all need to have our lives simplified a little bit. But there's also that little bit of something that says, you know what, I would really like to know how this works. And that's where people, and I think that's where we strike a chord with each other because we just want to know how it works. Now, I draw the line with my car because if my car does all this weird little computing shit, I'm not interested in going, tapping into my car and finding out. The closest I'll get is I'll update the radio. That's as far as I'm going. But when it comes to braking and driving and starting, I'll let the guy over in the dealership deal with that. So maybe I've sold out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, to me, I always want to be a kid who finds out how things work. Mm-hmm. If I if I get a new car, I want to understand how it works. If I get a new TV, I want to know how it works. Mm-hmm. If I uh, hear about a new artist uh, who did something new, I want to understand how and why it worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to improve it. You know, that's, that's, I think that's something that um, makes the difference between human beings and animals, for example. So now, do you believe the term hack life, like hack your life and stuff like that? Because hacks just sounds like cheating to me, but what's your thoughts on that stuff? I like it because it's uh, hacking stuff is, you know, changing the purpose of, of, of a thing. You know, if you take a pen, for example, and you uh, build an atom bomb out of it, like MacGyver. Yeah. Then you change the purpose. <laughs> I don't never saw that episode. <laughs> We're gonna I get those Rushkies, MacGyver. But all that I got <laughs> is this pen. <laughs> Leave it to me. I loved it a lot. I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I I like people who uh, are able to um, um, to see things differently. For example, the last. Over the last decades, people saw this one, this pen, as just a tool to write something down. Mm-hmm. But then there's someone who wakes up who just sees this pen and understands, oh, there's another thing that we could do with it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's very important, not just to invent new stuff, but also to, um, yeah, to understand stuff that has already been developed. Right. I, I, read a, I read an interesting uh, uh, um 
sentence a few weeks ago, someone, I don't know where I read it, but, some, but someone said, the internet is the first thing man, uh, man-made uh, without understanding how it works. That's true. There's, there's no real purpose of it either. It's, it's a, but you can do whatever you want to it with it. It's like if you, it's like inventing water or something. Well, you know, I was just thinking about this. You think we're talking about the Raspberry Pi and how you, it, the world is your oyster with it. Think about a pen. Like a pen is something that has no real purpose, but you put your pen to paper and write words down, and the words become your idea. It's coming out of your brain down into, you know, it says to be playing musical instruments and stuff. But you've taken this thing that actually has no physical purpose except for when you apply it to paper. Now, the Raspberry Pi is the same idea. It's it's there. It's a bunch of circuits and things put together. It has power. It shows you something on a screen. But that's as far as you get. What you yeah. can do with it is completely up to you. It's up to you. And... That's a thing that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back to uh, my label and my management and all what I did before is I always want to be in control of my life. That's mm-hmm. that's a very important thing for me. Yeah. So um, I, I really want to decide um, what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I'm going to do in two days, whatever. Even if it doesn't work out your, what you planned. Right. But it's good to decide what you're going to do. And I don't want to be someone who's just like, I don't know, a flower in the wind, you know, yeah. something. But as you get a little older and then you start thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to be doing this until I'm 80? Will I be dying with a guitar on on a stage somewhere in dark Germany? Like, will this Make be- it. Make huh? it backstage. Backstage, though, but on stage, I think it'd be way more like fucking, they'd more chance of a life story and a movie of the week yeah. if you died on stage at 80. Huh? I'm only, yeah. putting, I'm only kicking it out there. I'm only throwing it out there. Spitballing. But I, <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you feel like I need to sort of get a hold of what's going on and I need to, I need to have a plan. And that's sort of where I, because that's what I do. I work at a place that I draw a pension. I have dental plans. My kids need braces. That's going to cost $6,000. That's $6,000 I wouldn't have, but most of it's covered through my work. So therefore, Maybe the normal life isn't so bad after all, you know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe normality is what someone like me needs. You know, maybe normality is something that you don't need, but you don't know. Ten years from now, maybe I, like I normality too. But yeah, this is my normality. So yeah, yeah. I, I still have to be. You know, I have, I have a wife, I have a kid. You know, I want to be. I, I don't want to have to think about if I can uh, yeah, buy food tomorrow, for example. Yeah. And if it and if that doesn't work anymore, I have to quit. So that's mm-hmm. uh, something something clear. And I'm not that uh, you know self-destructive uh, punk rocker or something mm-hmm. who says ah, I don't care about anyone. I just go my way and fuck everyone. Yeah. I'm not like that. You mm-hmm. know, I just what I'm trying to say is just like you know you have there are a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. You can you can choose. Yeah, you can choose between tons of possibilities. And there's not just black and white, not just like being a slave at work or being the punk rock hero. There's so many ways in between and it just depends on you and how um, hard you want to work for it. Yeah, and I think we're both in the same boat where when we get into something, we get wholeheartedly into it. And it's really tough to turn the blinders off and, and look around you and to a fault 
But at the same time, sometimes that's what people gets people to from one destination to the next. People make really crazy like um, plans for themselves. Like, I am going to be the president of the United States of America. Okay, well, how the fuck are you going to get there? I just am because I think forward. <laughs> I'm going to think it. I'm going to wish it. But chances are you're not going to be the president of the United States because I'm from Canada and you're from Germany. Maybe if they, uh, you know... There's there's about a quarter. Yeah, it can be, for example, um, yeah, uh, um, the mayor of your hometown. Yeah. If you're interested in politics and uh, you're realistic and you are able to, you know, to convince people to do things, then okay, cool. Yeah. And if it's if it's your way, work hard for it. It's possible. Yeah. It's yeah. not that cool. Uh, um, not as cool as a president of the United States. But but it's. Still, yeah. I don't think I could tell people to believe my beliefs. I have a tough time getting people on my on, pol- on board on my policies at work. What I want to, have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should have CD recording machines record our shows. I think we should use computers. You know, these are my policies that I try to push through. And it's like, stop it, Simon. Stop talking and making sense. You know, just <laughs> maybe I should be mayor of Uxbridge, Ontario. Like my first platform will be to eliminate the five-piece drum kit. I have a four-tiered program, and I will yeah. eliminate the five-string bass. The six-string bass, they'll be eliminated. Ever heard of Crystal Knot? <laughs> they'll be burnt <laughs> on my front doorstep. I will burn all the six-string basses and five-piece drum kits. Don't even get me started on eight-piece drum kits. You better be leaving town soon. Yeah, I, I could do that. Oh, my God. No problem. My platform is shoes. I have platform shoes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, this is awesome. We should do this. You know, we should do this every couple of months because I really enjoy talking to you. And every time we sure. do talk, we always have these um, funny. I don't know. We always have a good time talking about <laughs> talking about nothing. And um, <laughs> I'm gonna that's, keep that's doing what it. Friendship is about. You that's know? what it's all about, my friend. Yeah. I mean, we got that's through. Like just, just talking about problems, and then oh, I need a friend. <laughs> So ugly. Ah. You know, if we lived in the same country, that we would be, we, I think we would be best friends. I'm not being so. cheesy by saying that. I just think, I really do. I think we'd, uh, we'd be good friends. Do you want to marry me? <sighs> Is it illegal in Germany to gay men to be married? In Germany, it's legal, actually. Oh, fuck it. Okay, great. I'm moving over. I'm bringing, <laughs> <laughs> I have a wife. You're cool with that, right? Polygamy. Is it okay to have more than one? spouse in germany uh, not yet but i think we should um yeah create a new political program because <laughs> if you can do gay marriage why can't you do like a mixed marriage that's right well they do it in the southern both states from both worlds we could say like you're you're actually um it'd be like political asylum i could come over with refugee status saying the canadians are yeah. per- turmoil like, the, the turmoil of gay marriage in canada is I had to leave. Yeah, you, you are politically oppressed. It would be a and... plus one for Germany. There would be like some brownie points earned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to go there. <clears throat> just, just imagine uh, a manifestation in front of the Canadian embassy in Berlin. Yeah. Free side, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I, and I, I don't even know what this is about at this point. I'm like, why well, we just, I just want to move to Germany. That's cool, right? Well, you could have just moved here. There's no problem. Oh, so you didn't have to make up a story. Just move here. 
Yeah. Do you need to learn cool. German though? If you move to Germany, is it true that you just need to learn Germany as a citizen? Is that part of you go to citizen school, right? Yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I was born in Germany, mm-hmm. and I still don't have the the German citizenship. Mm-hmm. You dual, right? You can do the you, yeah. I still have only the Italian one. Mm-hmm. And oh, hold on one second. That's my wife. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. <laughs> I, now I gotta pay another nickel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So you uh, yeah yeah okay go. Yeah. Um. And right now, um, I'm trying to get the German citizenship. It's very easy, but yeah, I have to do um, uh, a course, and I have to um show them that I'm able to speak German. <laughs> And that I know about the German uh, democratic system. Right. That's like being an American citizen. It's the same thing. To uh, You take the, whatever, it's the test. Yeah. 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 I have to do the test too. But, you know, it's funny because I was born here, actually. And I never, uh, uh, um, yeah, learned something else like this. <laughs> You know, I I'm a, I have a friend down in Italy who, um, over a couple of drinks, I said, sing me the Italian national anthem. And he's like, I don't know it. <laughs> he's like 20 <laughs> years old. He doesn't, I said, really? I said, for a country that's very proud, you should know the national anthem, you know? Maybe it was just me. But yeah, I know it because, you know, from, from the football games. You, you uh, know? Well, see, <laughs> that's it. I don't have to go to baseball games to learn the Canadian national anthem. We sang it every fucking morning at school. No, in Germany, it's no. No, you, that's not anymore. They don't do it anymore, but they, well, no, they sing out Canada. That's right. But they have like this, at my kid's school, they have this hip, like power pop version of Oh Canada. It makes you kind of like want to throw I remember, up. I remember, do you remember Winter Games from Epics? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that I liked that I liked the Canadian uh, uh, anthem a lot, and that's why I always choose uh, choose Canada back then. Right. Yeah, we have a we have a there's a part where you can sing in French as well, and they started implementing that into uh, our national anthem. But I sing primarily in, in we used to say the Lord's Prayer too. Okay, can you sing it in French? Oh God, no, my son can. Uh, okay. Oh, Canada, in something, something French, French words and patriotism, <laughs> French words, more patriotism, please don't, oh wait, please don't drive so fast and fix your roads. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> I have a Quebec, there goes my Quebec listenership. Sorry, guys. Not actually, Quebec's fixing the roads. We, we drove through like, last summer, and the roads are looking pretty sweet. Pretty fucking sweet. But they're not like German roads, man. Where you can drive like a fucking star <clears throat> as fast as you want. You like it? I do. I do. I, 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 my theory is, is that um, post-crash care in Germany for people who have car crashes, the budget is like 20 bucks a year. Because when you crash in Germany, you're dead. The only thing they pay for is to fix those fucking barriers that you fly over before you go into a fiery death. Yeah. I saw more traumatic deaths on German highways than I've seen anywhere in the world. And we have some of the worst winters here, you know, but I've seen fucking crazy shit on the road. What's your price of fuel right now? It's uh it's cheaper right now. Uh it's as cheap as like 10 years ago or something. Same as us. Yeah. Um 
And yeah, it, it just feels a little bit like in the 90s. Um, you yeah. got the 90s revival, then you got cheap gasoline. Vinyl. Do you get a peer, uh, do you get a record every time you buy a tank of fuel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get a Ramones uh, 33 and a half long player. Yeah, but I, I don't remember uh, the price of gas right now because I, I usually just uh, take $20, uh, 20 euros. <laughs> Whatever it is, that's right, yeah. I, I'm not driving as much. Uh, right, because your office is there now, right? My, my office right now is 25 kilometers away from home. It's because I went to the capital of the region. I'm, you know, I'm, it's cooler now and uh, more professional. And now it's just because a friend of mine bought a house here, <laughs> and I ha- I oftenly drove to the capital and um, too often. And he bought a house here, and he asked me if I wanted to be part of some sort of music business uh, uh, um, community, whatever. Yeah. And I said yes. Cool. It was cheap, yeah. and it makes sense because. I, I don't have to to, to drive uh, three times a day here. Yeah, just once, and that's it. And that's cool. So that's where you are now, because it, it's funny. Because I've been to your house once, but it does look like yeah. your house right now. Yeah. But I'm going to visit you Sunday. I promise. Please that's, do. That's what, yeah, now, th- this year I don't know if I can make it this year, but uh, next year we will we will come to Canada. Well, we're making a plan maybe next year or the year after where we're going to go to Italy skiing. Do you, okay. Do you ski? No. Okay. Well, well, what we could do is Are we there. Yeah, because we have a mutual okay. friend there too, uh, Alessio, who, yeah. who we could. I could. He's offered. Well, I, I've basically invited myself, but um, we're gonna probably. <laughs> that's that's the way Italians do, right? You just say, "I'm coming to your house, and you yeah. could cook me dinner three times a day, motherfucker." Otherwise, I'm not coming back. So yeah, we're gonna go skiing there. And my daughter's just at the point now where she can get down certain hills. But next year or the year after, we're just gonna there's gonna be no concern, and we can go on skiing in mountains. And it's so cheap. It's cheaper than for us to go to the western side of Canada and ski. Okay. Uh, it's so less commercialized and more fun, and more more European. Would people still wear those old nineteen uh, sixties like balaclavas and stuff and ski with their feet really close together? That's my yeah. mind. That's what happens up there. Yeah, it's not that far away. Just like six hundred kilometers, we can we can come. Yeah, my thoughts were too. Maybe is that if we did do that, maybe we take a train up that way <clears throat> for a couple of days and then train it back or something like something. Make it into something. Yeah, you can, you can stay at our house. We've got enough space. You can stay at our home. You can we can cook three times a day. We can. <laughs> Half Italian, right? So there's like yeah. the, you only breakfast and uh, and lunch. That's yeah. it. And dinner, you're on your own. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, hey man, um, I enjoy talking to you. I always do. Let's let's do this again. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna shoot the shit. I'd be really interested to know what people think of of two uh, a Canadian and a German talking about um, TV shows, about mu- stuff. music industry, Raspberry Pis. What did I miss? If we were both invited or elected as ministers of our prospective cabinets. Musicians, we got a jam too. I keep forgetting that you actually play an instrument. We're a fucking jam, man. Yeah, we should do that now. Ready? One, two, three. I got a kit right here. I got this song. It's like this. It's like my mortgage is due next week. I gotta get braces for the kids. Okay, go write that and come back. And we're gonna lyrics. European bands. Singing in English with Korea <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've talked about this uh, actually in previous. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, we didn't even get into the scorpions, so let's not talk about the scorpions. Let's have that to be continued yeah. on the scorpions. Okay. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. I'm going to hit stop. That was wacky. That was wacky. I must admit that was fun, wacky, crazy, and kind of how I want this podcast to go. I love that one. That one's got to be my favorite one. I think uh, I would love to know what you guys think of it. You can go to iTunes, subscri- uh, subscribe, rate, give us five stars, please. Five stars. And you can say whatever you want. Just give it five stars. Also go to the website, uh, apolog.esy.es and give a comment, throw a comment our way. Uh, click through the banner, tell a friend, go to fetchclass.com, sign up. Go to bot.96.lt, become a member. Hey, join join the crew, everybody. Carmelo, thank you so very much. I love you, man. We hope to see you next week. I'm trying to put more out per week. I'm trying to do two a week. Why don't you go over to Facebook and search out Apolog Podcast. Like it, subscribe. Uh, there's a button there you can subscribe. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666, because I am Satan. Let's get that like in ship up to, I want to say, 75 this, this week. 75. Do people still use Twitter? Come back again. I'll be here. See you around.